Welcome back to the Adult Study Guide podcast from Bogard Press. We're glad you've joined us as we look at the winner of 2021-2022 Adult Study Guide, The Gospel of Grace. As Brother Mark Clements walks us through the Book of Romans, we will see a beautiful picture of God's love for all people and His desire for them to know Him as Lord and Savior. Each week, Brother Mark will walk us through this story as we look at God's grace for us and others. Take it away, Brother Mark! Today's lesson is the Gospel of Grace and the Law, from Romans 7, 1 through 8, 13. Seeking the context. A few years ago, our boys were given a dartboard. We hung it up outside and learned the rules of a few games. None of us got very good at darts, which is probably why we do not play any longer. For whatever reason, I lacked the ability to throw the darts where I wanted to throw them. I could aim and focus on a certain area of the board, but it seemed I never hit exactly where I was aiming. It was a futile and frustrating experience. This typifies every human journey when it comes to trying to do what God wants us to do. In Romans 7, Paul explained the frustration and futility of having the inward desire and focus to do what is right, but always missing God's mark of holiness. He summarized that he was sold under sin, and that in his flesh dwelleth no good thing. Verses 14-18 through Paul's writing escalated in frustration when he exclaimed, O wretched man that I am! Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Verse 24 The life of a Christian can be a roller coaster of innocent intentions, followed by frustrating failures. Not only will outsiders and fellow Christians point out our failures from time to time, but we also tend to beat ourselves up with self-condemnation when we sin. Today's text is not a call to minimize the effect of sin in our lives or to ignore the pain and heartache that disobedience can cause. But, as we will read today, we must remember that God has dealt with our sin already in the work of Jesus on Calvary. We must take sin seriously, but we must also remember what God has done for us through Christ to remove sin's power over us. On our own, we are incapable of overcoming our flesh. If we approach life with a worldly mentality of working hard with mere human effort, we will continue the endless cycle of frustration and futility. Without God's grace, we can do nothing of any eternal significance. But with God's power through the gospel, He can do everything He wants to do through us. Today, let us be reminded of what God did to enable our obedience for His glory and our good. Why is it so important to acknowledge our inability to obey God without His power? Searching the text. Number one, God has freed us from condemnation. Romans 8, 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh." that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
Only God can judge me. I observe this phrase often in today's culture. Those who live by this motto, aside from implying their resistance to sanctification in biblical community, exhibit a dangerous indifference toward the sovereign holiness of their Creator. People with this mindset do not realize how fearful it would be to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10.31 Everyone will be judged, both the righteous and the wicked, but the real question is whether a person remains under God's condemnation. As Paul has already argued, everyone is born into a sinful state, thus abiding under the condemnation of God. Jesus told Nicodemus that those who do not trust in him remain condemned, John 3.18. But those who have received forgiveness of sins through the finished work of Jesus Christ are no longer under condemnation. This promise works powerfully in the life of a believer who understands what it means to be freed from condemnation. Condemnation here means an inescapable punishment handed down from the judge because of damnable behavior. Since no one but Jesus has been able to keep God's law, everyone has rightfully fallen under condemnation because of sin. But Jesus came to earth, wrapped in flesh, so he could pay the full penalty for sin by dying on the cross, enduring God's wrath against us because of our sin. In this glorious act, Jesus did for us what we were incapable of doing for ourselves. When we are found in Jesus Christ by repentance and faith, we are freed from condemnation because of our sin. Those who are in Christ Jesus are freed from condemnation, which means we are eternally secure since God has declared us righteous. Not only that, but we are also free from sin's control over us. The Holy Spirit liberated us once and for all from the law of sin. Sin only has power over us when we allow it to overpower us. We are positionally righteous now and forever before God. If you have repented of your sins and trusted Jesus Christ to save you, no one can condemn you for your sins. No other person, not even yourself, can put you under God's wrath once God has placed you into His family. You are free to walk according to the Holy Spirit and satisfy God's desires in your obedience. The weight of sin has been removed by Jesus. God the Father has declared you righteous, and the Holy Spirit dwells within you to guide you into truth. You are free. Why is it so important for you to remember you are no longer condemned? Number two, God has delivered us from death. Romans 8, 5 through 8, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. As Moses and the children of Israel began their journey toward the promised land, they encountered opponents from Amalek. Joshua and his army fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur stood atop a hill to watch the battle unfold before them. Whenever Moses raised his hand, Israel prevailed, but when he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. The battle went back and forth until Aaron and Hur realized God would cause them to win if they held Moses' arms up. So that is what they did. 
God gave Israel victory that day. Exodus 17, 8-16 The life of a Christian is similar to Israel's battle against Amalek. We have two natures, flesh and spirit, which are constantly battling each other. God has provided victory for each of his children, but it is up to the Christian to recognize and yield to God's power in order to triumph over his flesh. This is a lifelong battle that rages within each Christian, but each Christian determines whether the flesh or the spirit wins. One of the most important questions this text answers is how a Christian may please God. Paul's answer has nothing to do with outward behavior or emotions, but is concerned with proper thinking. Three times in these verses, Paul references the mind to indicate how a person may please God. This may seem very simple, but our mental focus determines whether we satisfy our flesh or satisfy the spirit. Our attitude toward God must be determined by what we discern through His Word. We must resist the temptation to be led by feelings, emotions, passions, or inclinations. The outcomes of our thinking are distinct. Paul wrote that fleshly instincts and desires are contrary to God, and to focus on them leads to death. On the other hand, the Christian who focuses on the Spirit and fills his mind with the truths of God's Word will thrive in peace. Through the work of Jesus, we have been delivered from eternal death. Therefore, it makes no sense for a Christian to hasten physical death through carnally-minded living. We have been rescued from death. Let us live the abundant life. John 10.10 How can you make sure you are not carnally-minded? Number three, God has given us his spirit. Romans 8, 9 through 13. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. I recently purchased a battery-powered lawnmower, which comes with a removable battery that I keep on a charger in the house. A few weeks ago, I asked my son to mow the grass. When he came to me perplexed that the mower did not work, I asked him if he had put the battery in it. Once he did, it worked fine. Humans without the Holy Spirit are like nice appliances with no power. They might appear useful for the kingdom, but if they lack their power source, namely the Holy Spirit, they are spiritually dead and ineffective in obeying God. Paul made a powerful distinction in God's people when he told them that if God's Spirit dwelled in them, they are alive to righteousness. The alternative to being in the Spirit is to be in the flesh and, consequently, spiritually dead in sin. The Holy Spirit seals every believer when he hears the truth of the gospel and responds with faith in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1.13. The presence of God's Spirit makes us spiritually alive, giving us the ability to obey God. The power of the Spirit in us is the same power He gave to Jesus in raising Him from the dead. God has given us His divine presence and power through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Jesus taught that 
From those who have been entrusted with much, much will be asked. Luke 12, 48. While Paul wrote in Romans 8, 12 that we are not indebted to live according to the flesh, he implied that God's children are indebted to live according to the Spirit. He has blessed us with his power and presence, which places an obligation upon God's children to maximize our full potential in obedience to him for his glory. We owe it to God to express our gratitude for salvation through obedient living. Obeying God is not burdensome. As Paul stated, living according to the flesh brings death, but following the Spirit brings life. By God's grace, we have been sealed with his Spirit. The Holy Spirit within us gives us the desire and ability to glorify God through obedience. Like an appliance plugged into its power source, we will function according to God's design if we simply allow the Holy Spirit to have full power within us. We are compelled to walk in the Spirit. How can you fulfill your obligation to live according to the Holy Spirit? Setting the Application It can be devastating to learn how helpless we are sometimes. Raising children forces parents to come to a point of complete dependence upon God, especially as they grow old enough to leave the house on their own. When those teenagers walk out the door, most parents pray hard that God will protect them and bring them safely home. At that moment, for the parent, everything is in God's hands. Truthfully, everything has always been in God's hands, though. On our own, we are incapable of doing anything that would bring glory to God. By God's grace, we have been freed from condemnation, we have been delivered from death, and we have been given the Holy Spirit. God has declared us righteous, and no one can say anything differently. Satan might accuse us, people may condemn us, but every child of God has a righteous standing before him because Jesus took away our condemnation. Now we have the ability to say no to our flesh and the destruction it brings. By God's grace, we can say yes to the indwelling Holy Spirit and thrive in righteousness that brings life and peace. Now, everything we do for God's glory expresses our worship of Him for all the world to see. May we praise God for all He has done and glorify Him by walking in the Spirit. How does this text impact your worship of God? Thanks, Brother Mark, for sharing such great truth with us this week. Join us next week as we take another look at God's Word with Brother Mark. Don't forget to join us daily on our Through the Bible Daily Devotionals on our daily devotional blog at www.bogardpress.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.